coming to you live from Rob's living room. It's the Mike and Rob podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mike and Rob. Hey, welcome back to the fourth episode of the Mike and Rob podcast with all new microphones, sort of. I'm Mike. I'm Rob. There you go. That's us. That's all you need? Just that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're here um, actually not coming to you live from Rob's living room. <laughs> There's nothing uh, live about this. Not well, even it's live now. right now. It, it's live in the sense that we're recording it while we're alive. No, no. It, I hate to blow your mind here, but no. Nope. We're not even alive? No, no. This isn't live. This is recorded. But what about <clears throat> us recording it? Is that happening live right now? No. Uh, no. When is that happening? It happened already. That's why it's not live. That's what Jeez, that means. That sucks. Okay, well, uh, we're coming to you recorded from Mike's house this time. So it's a new setup. It might sound a little different, and that's hopefully a good thing. It does um, sound a little mikier in here. A little mikier? Yeah. Because we have more microphones or because this is my place? No, because, you know, it's your place. The, oh, you can yeah. tell the echoes just come off the walls a little bit differently. <laughs> they kind of do. So we're still not in a, a great place yet for uh, for recording uh, podcasts, but it's the best thing we've got for now. So um, I did want to mention, you remember a couple episodes ago, we tried to find out... Um, episodes, that's blowing my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> which it was, it was a couple episodes ago, which was actually in our world a couple weeks ago. Because um, we did record those last two back to back. And uh, I was having trouble uh, figuring out who has clicked like on my Facebook page. Or, I'm sorry, our Facebook page for the podcast here. I can't believe I have a Facebook page. Yeah, that's not the most interesting <laughs> part. I'd say the part that um, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud occasionally, when it'll let me put that up there. And we're mm, on Stitcher. SoundCloud. It's delicious. It's a big chocolatey sound. Sounds very inviting. Yeah, it's it sounds fluffy. Just imagine like a big, really fluffy bed, but with speakers, but with speakers in it. <laughs> would would they be like? What kind of music would they be playing on your SoundCloud? Oh, just really soft, soft jazz. Enya. Oh, jazz. Okay. <laughs> You're a jazz guy all of a sudden. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Who's your favorite jazz musician? Uh, it's got to be Miles Davis. Name one Miles Davis album or song. I can't. <laughs> I can't. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy his music when I get the chance what, to hear it. What instrument does Miles Davis play? He plays a trumpet. Okay. That's true. What is what does Coltrane play? I don't know. I don't. I exactly. mean, I've heard of Coltrane, but... You've, okay, you have. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I wanted mean to I do don't enjoy it. was go back to that I, Facebook page. I do enjoy it. Good. I'm, I'm moving on now past that. Fine. I'm, don't get upset. Don't get hurt. But um, I wanted to kind of touch uh, on the people to thank them uh, that had clicked like on their Facebook page, but I had screwed up because I was looking on my iPhone and it didn't really work. So um, I figured out how to just find it on the Facebook page itself. So um, the people we already mentioned, we already mentioned. Uh, the people we haven't mentioned yet is my buddy Blake. My brother from another mother, with whom <laughs> it's I... It's always nice to have one of those. He totally is. Just have him around. Um, I'll give a quick background on Blake for people who don't know, but I work with this guy all the time. He's a video production guy and has been for many of the live long days. And um, he and I met because his uh, he, he has a he goes into a, a spin class every Saturday, I think, or every other Saturday. Uh, done spin classes, man. They're, yeah, me too. They're crazy. <laughs> just, I come out looking like I jumped into a pool, literally. It's just like... Well, you didn't jump into the pool, did you? No, no. I, you just no, did the spin I, class? Okay. So he has a spin class with my aunt and uncle. And oh, time, small world. So Totally. So I was, I was uh, hanging out at my uncle's office one time. He goes, I got to introduce you to this guy, Blake. He's a video guy like you. 
And so uh, he set up a meeting for us literally after one of their spin classes at the over by your office, the club sport that's over by your office. Oh, yeah, just on the other side of the freeway. Oh, oh no, no, across it's the street. It's on the same, same yeah, Sorry, across club the street sport. from Yeah, club sport. So um, they had just gotten out of spin class. I brought my laptop. I brought some stuff. Uh, actually, I didn't even have my laptop yet. Yet, so he brought his laptop, and we just—I showed him stuff on the web that I've done, and he was showing me stuff that he's done. But we totally just hit it off, just like that. You guys so, just completely dorked out on all your own. Well, stuff. we had to—you kind of do that when you meet someone new. It's like, who are you? What have you done? So <laughs> prove your worth. <laughs> exactly. You say you're in film, but I don't believe it. You better better show me some shit. Yeah, right you now. put you put it out there and show people what you've done. So um, I did that, and. Um, he uh, he had some great stuff. He he did he worked on the basket case video for Green Day back in the day. Oh, that's cool. And uh, some like um, digital underground, like nice. Humpty Hump or one nice. of those videos or something from that album back in the day. And uh, he did a lot of music videos, but he's done a lot of corporate stuff. And so anyway, he's oh gonna... boo! <laughs> now I hate him. He's so corporate. He got all corporate. Hey, on that's me. where the money is. <laughs> so. Um, so we we did that and uh, looked at all that stuff. But um, I was showing him some of the stuff I've done. He's like, not bad, not bad. But we could, you know, you have a, some. I, I could help you out. Basically, is what he said. And we, but the cool. thing is, on a personal level, we totally hit it off and had a great time. And we've been doing that for about three years now. Dang. So yeah, yeah. We were, he's, he lives over by you, and um, he clicked like on the page. The so other it's one, an amicable partnership. It is so far, for the most part. Um, another dude that uh, I don't think you know, but uh, he is another fellow podcaster. But I met him um, because he went to the same school. He went to San Francisco State with me. I think he went to San Ramon High. He lives in Danville. His name's Brandon Hunt. And he's got the Media Vandal podcast. People, check it out. It's up on iTunes. It's up on Stitcher and all that good stuff. Um, Brett Robert. I didn't oh, mention him before. Nice. Break. Big shout out to Brett. Yes. He is parkour champion of the world, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. He's also um, very hip to all, a lot of the cool music of the, of the um, audible kind. And <laughs> it's good that he knows the audible ones. It's, but and, uh, it's really impressive, the people who know the inaudible songs. Right. They, he's, wow. he, he's a cool dude that way. And he's also a, a big-time comic book nerd, more of a Marvel guy than a DC. So that's always Yes, cool. I do remember that. He used to give me all kinds of information about stuff. Like, I, I just I never read the comic books. I didn't have money for comics and like... That's well, this not was what in I, high school too. Like you, yeah, were, no, no, I know, but I mean, comics doesn't start in high school. Like, no. from from what I know about the comic book people that I know, <laughs> <laughs> you're not thinking of the guys on the comic book men show. Yeah, they but they usually start out early, like yeah, you know, kids. when you're a kid. Yeah, I think I got into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles first cartoon, and then the movies, and then. Uh, somewhere in between all that, yeah. uh, I was started reading the comics, and that was really the only comic I really was exposed to as a kid. And I picked up a Spider-Man as a early teenager, maybe 12, 13, mm. and just because I loved the way he was drawn. He's like bending in every different direction, and he's just, <laughs> okay. it's just such you a... You like that, do you? Well, I just thought it was cool, because the art just looked amazing, so... That's um, cool. Yeah, one of the coolest things. It's like, um, you know Roy Lichtenstein? No. He's an artist. Okay. Um I wish I could say, do you remember when we were at the U2 Pop Mart concert? But during the U2 Pop Mart concert, when they were doing uh, Bullet the Blue Sky, there's like those comic drawings of like World War II planes shooting each other. Oh, down. oh, oh, okay. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it's all the comic strip based. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, dot, so. using dots and uh, 
Roy Fox Lichtenstein. His was, name is Fox. Yep. Wow. Uh, it's like he was as cool as being named James Bond. <laughs> he's he's an Fox American pop artist, and during the nineteen sixties, uh, along with Andy Warhol, Jasper Johns, and James Rosenquist, among others, he became a leading figure in the new art movement. Yeah, and that's how that goes down. Well, anyway, he's got cool art. You guys should check it out if you don't know it. Um, just kind of cool, like comic book sells. It just, looks like comic book still sells, yeah. but yeah, well, it's showing that it's an art form. Okay, so anyway, hey Brett. <laughs> um, thanks for yeah, Brett. We gotta get together, like, man. Uh, yeah, he could be on a podcast. Karen Babcock, who is now Karen Babcock Mahoney. Karen Babcock Mahoney from uh, Kids Country. Cool. Uh, back in our uh, Kids Country days, which I think was mentioned in episode one. Um, Ed Goodson is an attorney, friend of my father. Turns out, it, what's funny is he he um, came over to my dad's office one day when I was still working at Kids Country, kind of towards the end of. No, I was still at Montevideo, so it was in the middle of my kid's country run. And he said, my kid was just telling me the weirdest thing. He says this to my dad. He was at his daycare today, and the the guy who runs the daycare or who is one of the people who works there set them up in different teams <laughs> for football. And the teams, he decided to name the teams the Boogerheads and the Duty Mongers. And my son thought that was the funniest thing. And my dad goes, does your son go to kid's country? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... I recognize that. Yes, I, I recognize the work of this man. <laughs> he goes, that was my son. He probably goes by Mr. Mike over there. So Ed realized that I was um, a, a teacher. A little at, bit insane. <laughs> a little bit insane. No, he, really, he thought that was really funny. He was telling my dad how funny it was. And he goes, yeah, that's probably my son. And so that's cool. um, I got to meet Ed through his kids that I was watching at the daycare over there um, who are awesome, awesome kids. Now I keep in touch with them on Facebook. Uh, do you remember Jillian Rowe from high school? Yes. Of course I do. She, she and I keep in touch all the time, and um, and uh, she's on Facebook and she clicked like. So thanks. Nice. Um, my friend Jamie Blackwood. You don't know her. Um, well, there's a switch. <laughs> my friend Kirsten Lane. You don't know her. Um, she's a filmmaker uh, person who um, I worked with on several projects all around the Bay Area, and she just recently moved to New York. So go kick some ass out there. Yeah, nice. Kirsten. Have fun in New York City, man. She Great just town. did. She just did a shoot with a bunch of people from SNL um, on a commercial. So she's getting some gigs out there already with some famous people. Alicia Keys, she did something with, didn't go so well because there was some <laughs> diva-ish stuff going on. But um, well, girls will be girls. Um, my friend Maria, I told you about. Oh, Mary Nitschke, who is. Um, did you ever see? trying to think if you saw she's married to my good friend jeremy who did not click like on this anywhere oh, what a bastard. where does he live again he lives in san jose where in san jose i'm gonna find him oh oh well and get him to click like yes just be like <laughs> come on just drive over to his house and just be like, dude, please click it. So she's married to my friend Jeremy, and you'll hear more about Jeremy if he decides to ever click like on the Facebook page. Uh, thank you, Mary, for being the good one in the relationship. Uh, you've met this young lady named Kristen Bruner, who is now Kristen Bruner White. Cool. She has clicked yes. like. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. Um, and we talked about her on the first episode a little bit. Or no, I'm thinking of we talked about another young lady who's on here, Lindsey Brown. Yes, Lindsey Brown. Wow. Yeah, that's what Facebook is for, is for keeping in touch with your friends, Rob. And little Remo. How's little Remo doing? Still alive, but he's got a new uh, playmate. She got another pug animal of some sort. Remo was... uh, A French bulldog? A French bulldog, and she got another one. So, um, 
my friend Michael Schwartz, or Mike, as I call him, uh, good, 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 good buddy. We met back in DVC. We've been hanging out for 10 years, and now he just moved away to Texas um, with his girlfriend. So yeah, shout he out loves to Mike. it. He Mike's loves it. He's a good guy. Uh, I'll have to post some pictures of Rob. Oh, I think I posted them on somewhere of <laughs> Me you. Me looking like a total badass? <laughs> yes, with you playing around with his guns. I think they're on our Facebook page here. So <laughs> check out uh, Rob messing around with Mike's guns. Uh, Morgan Finley King. You know Ooh, Morgan. Yes, I do know Morgan. Um, we're going to have him on a podcast at some point. We, we were just talking about that. He had an interesting situation. I think I can talk about this, but maybe I should wait and get permission. But he just found out something very interesting about his family history that he never knew before. And so maybe I should save that for another podcast because it's a cool story. Ooh, and it's a good hook. Got to yes. keep him coming back. Uh, someone Just you may... go ahead and send in your guesses about what it might be, though. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, and we'll, we'll read them all to him. Um, Ryan Turkowski. You ever heard of that guy? Yeah, I know. I, I what know. do you know of him? Uh, the Turk. The Turkster. <laughs> Which we never called him no. ever. Tark. It was, just, it was just Turkowski. It's Tark. Tark the shark. We would never say Ryan. It was always Turkowski. Yeah. I called him Ryan. I don't know. Uh, my friend Sandra Myers. She's, oh, anyway, we went, we went to high school with Ryan and he's a badass and we love him. And so, uh. Sweet. Cool. Gotta love um, a badass. <laughs> my friend Sandra Myers, she's, uh, I met her in film school and we've been friends ever since. Uh, my cousin Sean Rafter, you know Sean, and yep. his fiance now, uh, Constance, who they yeah. live in San Diego. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Suzanne, who used to be Sorensen, is now Beck. Suzanne Beck. You familiar Suzanne with Suzanne Beck? Yeah, you familiar with who that is? I, yeah, I met her once or twice. <laughs> okay, so she goes, she went to our high school. Yeah. And was har- hardcore in our group of friends, just like totally tight with her. And She's she great. Was, she seemed really happy she, with everything. Like, yeah, she just came out to visit. She lives in cool. Grafton, Wisconsin now with her husband and her little baby, her little baby daughter. So, um, Now, this is a cool guy I got to tell you about. Before I met you, um, and from basically the time I moved into my with my parents to San Ramon in 1984 until around 1992... Mm-hmm. I was really tight with the kid that lived across the street from me. Okay. His name was Tom Stafora. Thanks to Facebook, we've reconnected a couple <laughs> years ago. It's awesome. So um, we've met up a couple times, and his wife is awesome, and his kids are hilarious, and just really well, like amazingly well-mannered kids. They're really sweet. And uh, Tom, love you, buddy. We need to hang out more often. So that covers all the people that I hadn't mentioned before. And that is I got, now- a, I got a question about Facebook. Okay. Like, so if you're on Facebook, how do you stay off the grid? You don't. It's part of the grid. Wait, well, why would you want that? Why do you, you never know when you have you to jam? To, like, you can delete your account. <laughs> yeah, but then they can trace where it was deleted. I've seen it in movies and stuff. And people who shoot up, uh, you know, places, schools, or, or their places of business, they go and, and then kill themselves. They can find out a lot about who they were by looking at their Facebook accounts. But I, th- I don't know if that means. That's a good reason to have it. I, well, I. <laughs> <laughs> a good reason not to have Facebook? Is that what no, you're no, that's a good reason to have it. So we can like really get into the minds of those people when they happen. We right. probably shouldn't try and fix that problem and keep that from happening. We should just make sure we know about them and what happened with them after they That's a good idea. After they So that's thirty five people. Remember act. I was trying to get twenty five people. With thirty five now. Thirty five now. Dude. So Nice. And uh, let me just check and make sure uh, I'm gonna look at our photos on there real quick. Yeah, I've got pictures of um, our our uh, buddies video shoot. I got pictures of us from back in high school on here. Um, oh, 
Oh man, no, think it new- might blow up the server. Well, no, the new, <laughs> the new, the newspaper <laughs> crew. Like, remember we all took that picture out by with Matt Diablo in the background. A couple of them. Um, so I'm the one up on the fence on that one with my arms spread, looking like a crazy guy with long hair, and Rob's just standing there pointing at his own face for some reason. Really? Um, yeah. I wish I could see it, but Here, I can't. Turn it around a little bit. I don't even. So here's me. Yeah, I weigh in here's the back. Here's you. And I, wait, is Nick pointing at your face? Uh, or are you would... pointing at your face? I don't know. Somebody's pointing at your face, and you're making a funny face. So. Of course. So I have to compete with Mike. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Which tough. Which wasn't happening. Were you standing on somebody's shoulders? No, I climbed up, sat on the fence. You stood on top of the fence? Sat on the fence. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, here's another one from high school. You remember that? Vaguely. You don't remember that? That was at somebody's pool party. Oh, yeah, that was a French girl. What's her name? Well, the, they were both French foreign exchange students, both foreign exchange students. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, I'll put my arms around both of them and take a picture as though I'm intimately you know, close to the, both of these girls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good look I got going. They were really sweet girls, so I don't remember they were. their names. But, um, and then I've got stuff from Halloween when you were Beelzebub. And there's a picture. You guys got to check out the photos on the Facebook page. There's a picture of you chopping the... Um, Pumpkin. Was it mid chop? Your mid chop. Well, you're about, you're about to swing at it okay. with a, with your samurai sword. <laughs> yeah, just in case you didn't know, I was a dork. <laughs> and me and my Batman. There's, there's the proof. Uh, there's a picture of Rob asleep at the wheel uh, on our trip to San Luis Obispo, circa oh, 1999, yeah. 2000. I remember that. Ooh, I was tired. <laughs> and uh, there's also um, a still from our buddies video, uh, which I will we'll talk about at some point. And our guitar uh, playing from Guitar Hero. So that plus the guns and all that. So, yeah, got some pictures up there. So, Rob. How's so, things? Mike. How's that? Hi, Mike. You're doing it again. Sorry. That, what was that? What was, the, what was that thing you were just doing? You don't doing? remember Harry Carey from Saturday Night Live? Played by? Uh, Will Ferrell when he used to do that. Oh I know God. of it. I just want to make sure the listeners know what it is you're trying to emulate. Just the fact. I don't know if you guys knew who. Hi, Rob. Harry Carey actually was, but I never he, heard of Harry Carey actually. Yeah, Cubs Cubs broadcaster, radio broadcaster. The guy did his job for like sixty years, but towards the end, like the mind was starting to go a little bit, <laughs> so he would say just some of the most off, like weird things. Like they'd be in the middle of an inning or something, or in the middle of like a, a pitch, and he'd be like, "Hey, look at that guy down there. He's got a sombrero. I wonder if it's sombrero day." Like, just he would like that's something he would actually say. So when when Will Ferrell did an impersonation of him hosting like a science show or something, like about planets, right? right. I remember like, that. It was just too perfect. Jeff Goldblum was on one of them. Was it? Yeah, was it Goldblum. I can never remember who the. Who the host if the, of the, if the, the moon were made out of spare ribs, would you eat it? Hey, <laughs> what's your favorite planet? Bod's the sun. It's like the king of planets. I it's love your like, impression of it. It's so awesome. You do it really well. That's pretty good. Um, okay, so we needed to figure out something to talk about today. Um, I thought I just thought of something kind of out of the blue. But what I think we're going to talk about is... Um, Favorite movies. And okay. we're not just going to list them off, but I want to know, I want to get into your psyche a little bit, and then Ooh. we can get into mine, um, if we have time. We're going dark, I see. Yes. So, uh, let's say, what what was your, I mean, growing up, what were your, like, 
first favorite movies? How did you get exposed well, to movies? Do you know what the very first movie is you ever went to see in a theater? Yes. What was that? E.T. Mine too. Yeah. Do you remember going to see it? I don't know. I don't I want to say yes. I don't remember either, but that was my first I movie. just remember the scene in the cornfield where he comes out and he's just doing that weird scream. <laughs> For some reason, that really freaked me out as a kid. As it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, that was my first movie. I think my older sister, Kira, took me, but I have no memory of it. I just know that that's what happened. You want to know what another one of my first movies is that my parents took me to see was Gremlins when I was like four years old. Not a good idea. (laughs) My brother, that's like one of his stories he would always tell. It was like, you know, I told him like, you don't understand. Like these little green things are like bastards in there. They're (laughs) scary. Like you're going to scare the crap out of this kid. And they're like, oh no, that's just the cute little furry animal thing. Like it's perfect for kids. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got gremlins for my nephews on DVD. You know, it's been really cheap on DVD lately. It's one of those movies they made a billion copies of, and they're selling them for four ninety nine. And I showed it, or I think I had it, and then I I showed it to them, and they were like, eh, "I don't like this." But they were like six, five, six, and I was like, "Okay, this is too early." So I stopped. It, it. it gets some parts are pretty scary, like that one in the the, the lab scene with the the uh, science teacher. He's like studying the gremlin, uh-huh. and he just looks and he sees the cage is all like ripped open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like so way after that, hours. It's dark in the classroom. And the thing's just like skittering around. Right, right, right. So even it's and he doesn't realize how dangerous those... it is. And you're just like, oh, dude, don't don't stick your hand under there. Don't put your <laughs> hand under there. Oh, you're an idiot. Yeah. So even even without seeing it, it's just it's kind of a terrifying moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, they got into it later when they were like eight or nine. So, you know, they came around to movies. Yeah. Like that. And they're now well, when nine. you're nine. That movie's like, yeah, that's awesome. Well, that <laughs> and what's they're really I don't know if I did a good job or they're just really smart kids, but. Um, they're really enjoying 80s movies, 90s movies. As well they should. It's hard, though, because they didn't grow up in that era like we did. So yeah, but we, they're still good movies. They are, but how many good movies from the 70s did you watch before you were 10? Not. Long, I don't know. Right? My, my dad was a big movie buff, and he used to watch movies all the time, so I got exposed to a lot of movies early. Like I think the first time I saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I was like 7 or 8 years old. And to oh, me, okay. like a, a movie about a kid who skips school and like drives around in a fast car and like does whatever he wants. I was like, this movie is awesome. And it's well, always I mean, not been to mention the fact that it was awesome. It, it's really always been one of your favorite movies, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Always. So uh, that was just one that you guys had around the house. Yeah. Um, that was, again, my brother went to go see it with um, with his wife, Michelle, when they were... Way back in the day, like, you know, when it came out, what was that, like, 86? 86, I think, yeah. yeah. So um, they they told my parents about it. My parents went to go see it. My dad fell in love with it. And when my dad falls in love with a movie, like, it's around. We have it. I mean, Yeah, that was lucky of you. I didn't have that growing up. My parents were like, they didn't buy anything for themselves. They still don't. They don't buy movies to have to watch. They, they're That's not good. interested. Is it? Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, they... They're just passing their time doing something else. I mean, but I mean, I look at my DVD collection now and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with all these? <laughs> yeah. I've I lived in my house for six months and those DVDs have not left the box they were packed in. Not that they need to. You could take those to a used place right now as uh, they are. I, I did one, watch one recently where I took a normal DVD and put it in my new Blu-ray player and it looked better. Yeah, like they the, do an up up res is what it's called. Okay, yeah. So, so I mean, I was thinking I was going to have to replace all these movies on Blu-ray and then it started like... You know, the digital revolution with movies. Right. Have you done any It's not perfect yet, movies? though. Like, if I want to see the, you know, the Dark Knight movie, I should be able to just go somewhere and watch it, especially if I'm paying for a subscription. I don't understand why Netflix 
Well, because that's Netflix, though, like any of the sites. Well, it's it's all about licensing. Um, the people who own the movie, who hold the copyrights to the movie, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Warner Brothers or Sony Pictures or whoever, they license that movie. Same with TV. They license the title out to an entity like like uh, Netflix for, let's say, six months. And they just go, here's how much we're going to charge you for that. And then after those six months, it's not on Netflix anymore. Hmm. So it's the same with TV. Um, people, and you ever wonder why you see the worst movies on TV? Like, why are they playing this when there's so many yeah, better it's movies? Cheap. On? It's because it's cheap, <laughs> and they're they're trying to make the price point between selling advertising advertising for the most amount of money versus getting people to watch those commercials by playing movies that they get for the cheapest amount. So they find this price point in between where it's the best. Um, most lucrative for them <laughs> and the worst option for us <laughs> yes they don't give a shit about us so what's funny is superman three sure or four sorry four is the worst one superman four sure throw it on it only cost us a nickel to play for a year <laughs> exactly have fun with that one public <laughs> so um and then do you remember like buying movies when you were a kid did you ever ask your parents oh can i have this movie on vhs or anything like that I don't know, probably. <laughs> From what you were saying about your Christmases, it sounds like you got yeah. kind of whatever you wanted. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of money, but usually when I asked for something, my dad would get it for me. But we had had to be in the moment. Like, that's usually when my you can't, dad like, was plan ahead for the most something. generous. Yeah, I couldn't just be like with him sitting in a chair and be like, can you take me to get this? And be like, no, get out of here. <laughs> You'll have to wait till we're at Toys R Us. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you got to take advantage of those moments. What? Usually, like... <laughs> Costco was one of the best ones too because you're getting a deal and my you know who doesn't like getting a deal <laughs> I remember in 1991 probably when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out um on VHS and I, we got it at Costco nice. and what else do you get at Costco a hot dog no yeah dude it's only a dollar 50 for a hot Teenage dog in Mutant Ninja Turtles movie thank 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 oh yeah pizza I got okay. a big old pizza Duh. and it was just like that was the that was the way to do it. Um, so thanks, thanks. I don't think they noticed that. I know. I went I went into the microphone real quiet, so only you would hear. Okay, good. <laughs> we're not an NPR show though, so we're not going to keep talking like this. <laughs> anyway, um, so that was one of the actually ET was one of the first movies I remember getting because I had money from a birthday card or something, and I must have been about eight, eight yeah. or nine, and uh, and my mom said, okay, we read some. Um, little electronic store that sold electronics plus movies and CDs and stuff, but yeah. little and, uh, or video games. There was also video games and this was my NES days, Nintendo entertainment system. So before this was Good pretty super Nintendo. Um, and, uh, she said, okay, well you can only have enough money for this or this the two things that I said I wanted. And it was a video game or a six e- foot bong. <laughs> Mom, why can't I have the bong? Um, I guess video game. You can get the video game, honey. <laughs> no, it was, okay. I don't even remember what video game it was, but the other option was an ET VHS, and I still remember it wrapped in the plastic. It just glistened. you remember that? I remember how it was just gorgeous. Oh yeah, you just like kind of turned it in your hands and saw the shimmer just fly across the front of it. <laughs> exactly. Plus the price tag on the corner. Like it was a golden ticket from a Wonka bar. <laughs> but it was. Think about it. The cover with the moon. Yeah, and ET and Elliot flying across, and the little trees below, and it says ET the extraterrestrial underneath, and it's just it was like a perfect thing. And people don't, I don't think, I mean, you kind of get a little bit of that from the from um, DVDs, but holding a VHS tape in your hand 
It was like hefty. <laughs> you know, there was, was some like heft, heft to it. <laughs> it had some heft to it. So you felt like you were actually getting something. Yeah, you didn't see Betamax tapes. They were, were those twice even bigger? as big. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's that's why I really enjoyed those. But um, I ended up going with the E.T., and that was my first per- movie purchase. Ever Wait, since. sorry, what was the other thing? I mean, obviously, it, wasn't the it was a video game. Oh, okay. I don't know what it was. Okay. So um, <laughs> You're probably better off. I mean... Could have been a shitty video game. They were right. easy to find. It would have been like Battletoads or something. I mean, I, especially later, towards the end of the SNES days, man, they put out some shit games. I didn't get a ton of SNES games. Are you talking about NES or Super? Yeah, Nintendo? no, 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 the first Nintendo. Yeah, like, towards the end, that's when it they was were just, just about pumping out new titles because the the Super Nintendo was they knew it was on the horizon. So right. yeah, it was just about getting some money for some games at that point. Okay, let's let's switch from movie talk with Mike and Rob really quick. And in, in, within that show, we're going to do a show called Nintendo Games with Rob and Mike. So <laughs> for any of you who haven't and have uh, kind of a dark sense of humor, like check out the angry Nintendo nerd on YouTube. Oh, yeah. He's really funny. <laughs> He's he just so goes, pissed off He at just the game. goes through some of the old Nintendo games that are just horrible. And he's just like, just calls them out as he plays them. When did you? What were your favorite games on Nintendo, Super Nintendo? Let's go. Let's keep it in those two for now. Or, or did you ever go Sega or anything like that? I uh, had Sega, but let's <laughs> one thing at a time. Okay. Come on. I never. I was like, I'm a Nintendo guy, and I stuck yeah. with it. I even got Nintendo Power magazine. I did for a while. I did for the first couple of years, and then I threw them away. And apparently, they were worth like some money at some. Oh, really? Point. Yeah, I threw mine away. Like the first season. You know what I loved about those is all the cartoon characters that were in it, Mario and in the various games. But then they would do like the Ducktales and yeah. And as a kid who loved to draw, that's that magazine had a lot of cool stuff for me to draw. Cool. So that was pretty cool. But what were some of your first Nintendo games that you really loved having? Well, obviously Mario. Like I remember my dad playing Mario. Yeah. Like that's how cool that like my dad played revolutionary that game was for anyone who was born after 1989. My like dad, when, when Mario Brothers came out, the original Super Mario Brothers, that was just like, that was the well, shit. again, that was Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, not not regular Mario, Mario Brothers. Brothers was on Atari. Was it or was it just a arcade? It was both. It, it was, was, but okay. for the home systems, it came out on Atari. Huh. Um, and and it was just them running through pipes and avoiding yeah. little, little bad guys and stuff. Yeah, like if you ever play Mario Three and you had a yeah. little character that would zoom around on the map. And you get him. If, yeah, if you're playing two-player and you landed on that person, you went and you played the original Mario Brothers. Yeah, and that was my sister and I. Oh, my sister hated We would play Super Mario Brothers 3, and if I locked her into a game of that, she would be so pissed at me. She's like, because <laughs> I would just kill her every single time. So <laughs> she was pissed that I was playing uh, the, ver- 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 we would, I guess, just called it Mario Brothers. Okay, we're playing Mario Brothers now. Um <laughs> I get. I I think I told you. I had uh, for Christmas. I got the triple cartridge of Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt and and uh, World. What was it called? The Track uh, and Field. It's game, a track right? and. It's not Track and Field, but it was. It was basically that. It was called. Uh, it was for the Power Pad, anyway. Yeah. So you got the Power Pad. Oh yeah. Nice. Now the, and we didn't get into this part. We started talking about other things in the first episode, but the Power Pad you could cheat so easily, <laughs> especially on the long jump. So what I figured out you could do because you have to start off running right, and then it tells you to take one little jump, one little jump, and then a big jump as high as you can go. <laughs> what the pad didn't know 
is that you could just step off of the pad and fly to the other end of the to the other end of the just, uh, your guy just lands on the moon. No, he just and it, well, what happens is it would default out of it and be like it would screw up because it would say, you know, you it, you land on your head or something because you just didn't do it right. But if you knew how to land it at the right time, it was awesome. So. We did that, and my sister would get pissed at me for that, too. But I'm like, hey, I'm gaming the system here, okay? So I figured it out. Okay. So, and I'm trying to think of some other games I really liked. Um, I remember my, my uncle loaned us the Mario Golf. It was, or it was just called Golf. Yeah, it was just called Mario Golf, was, yeah. Now, did you ever play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Am I alive? Did I, did I own a Nintendo? <laughs> was I alive during the, yeah. the, the 80s? Was I in a cave? I well, I borrowed it from someone. I never owned it. I think it. I still have a copy of it somewhere. Like, I just kept <laughs> it for nostalgic reasons. Like, don't have an NES. But I just kept that game because it was... I love that game. The game was did awesome. Did you ever... So how far did you get? Oh, I didn't know any of the cheat codes. So I got the Sandman, like, once or twice in my whole life. But That was the, one of the hardest games I ever yeah. remember because I did use a cheat code to get to Mike Tyson. You couldn't... Do anything once you got to. There's no cheating once you got to Mike Tyson, but it would take you straight to Mike Tyson. Actually, well, watching my friend Scott play, he there's a, there's a very uh, stringent pattern yeah. that Mike Tyson has. Right. And if right, you right. know the pattern, like he's totally beatable. Yeah. Apparently, but if he hits you once, yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> so it made it really difficult. Well, you can get back up, but no, I think it was like you're knocked out if that dude hits you. Really? It was that's what that was my memory of it anyway. It's like a hangover when Alan takes a punch from Mike Tyson in the movie. <laughs> it felt like that. I mean, they called him Iron Mike and I just imagined this man must be made of pure iron <laughs> because he hits my character once and I'm down. Who was the referee in that game? Uh Mario. That dude was everywhere. But wasn't he bald or something? Uh, uh, maybe I'm I don't crazy. Remember. But he was he was in that, he was in the golf game, he was yeah. in all sorts of games. I remember the day my dad I begged, begged my parents. So you begged them? I begged them okay. to get me, because I had no other way of getting it, Super Mario Brothers 2. I just remember the hype around that game and people being like, you can actually pick up the bad guys that you're fighting. <laughs> Dude, the fact them. that you could choose who you wanted to be, that was yeah. really cool. Uh, I you was could be Luigi. Mario, Luigi, Princess, or Toad. I was always Luigi. Yeah, and they all had the different attributes. Mario being the most well-rounded. Who picked Toad? Why would you ever pick Toad? Because he could pick things up quickly. Like, that was That's his true. thing. That's true, he did. Like, he'd just be like, boop, boop, boop. Yeah, double like, time, basically. Yeah, he picked up things really fast. So and he was, like, that, kind of quick. Did you know that that game was um, designed as a totally different game in Japan? And then they just slapped the Mario thing on it? And, really? Yeah, so the characters... Like, if you notice, the the characters in the game besides the main characters that we know have nothing to do with anything else in any other Mario game. It didn't feel like the original Mario Brothers, yeah, Super Mario Brothers exactly. game. Didn't feel like Super Mario Brothers 3 or Super Mario World later on and all that stuff. Yeah. The Birdo and the uh Yeah, I remember that and being And it turns like out it was all a before... dream in the end. <laughs> you remember that? Did you see did you ever Yeah, you don't fight Koopa, you fight like a toad. You fight a dude with a mask on or Oh yeah, it was a big toad. Yeah, it was what big was his Toad name? King. I forget his name, but Frogula or something. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> I'm going Frogula. with Frogula. And um, so that was it was some other called like Bubble Dreams or something like that. And then they just slapped the whole Mario motif on top of it and went, here, here's Super Mario Brothers 2. Because we haven't decided what what we want to do or we haven't designed Super Mario Brothers 3 yet. <laughs> <laughs> Super um, Mario Brothers 2, because we can. Because <laughs> what the hell. 
And then, uh, I don't know, did you ever, oh, you know what I had? The Ninja Turtles, first Ninja Turtles game. Did you ever play that? Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. It was really hard, though. Way hard. Actually, the angry Nintendo nerd does do one about that game. I remember seeing that he did that. Yeah. Um, and the uh, first Simpsons game, like ever, I think, was Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants. Did you ever huh. play that one? I don't remember that one. It's really hard, too. I like Top Gun a lot. That one was really fun growing up. Excite Bike. That was a classic. I never played Excite Bike, but I did play Top Gun, and uh, my buddy and I, we would play it at his house, and <laughs> what we, we could do dog fights and stuff, but trying to land on the aircraft carrier was the hardest part of the game. Yeah. So we asked his mom yeah. to do it for us. <laughs> and the mom could do it? She could. He's like, I don't know how to do this. She can do it. I'm just going to give it to her. I <laughs> I could never figure that out. That, that was like was the, the hardest, hardest part, part of the game was landing. Like I might get, I might got it once or twice, but it was just like, oh, I can't do this. Did you have all those games? Uh, Did you I own didn't them? Have a lot of games. You just like I didn't them? have Duck Hunt. I didn't have any of the accessories. I had two controllers, and that was because they came with the system. Right. I remember when Genesis was it Genesis or maybe it was Super Nintendo. No, I don't know. The first system that came out where they only gave you one controller instead of giving you two controllers. Because I, I think it was Genesis gave you two. I think two. Nintendo was really keen on giving everybody two controllers. Yeah. They kind of always have, right? I guess. I've, I, the only two video game systems I ever have owned in my life were the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And then I, now I have an Xbox 360, a hand-me-down yeah. an Xbox 360. <laughs> so I, I never, I stopped after a Super Nintendo. Huh. Um, I know you went on. You got GameCube. You got N64. Yeah, I had, I've had every iteration of the Nintendo console, Damn. but I've never owned any of the portable ones. The what? Oh, the portable ones. Yeah, no Game Boy, no... Um... I heard you say portal ones. Yeah, oh, sorry. Por- portable ones. <laughs> I, I, had... that, I, I had the, never had the portable <laughs> ones. <laughs> What's his name? Mr. Uh... I don't know. No, you do. You were doing the guy from the... Um... Oh, Plinkett? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't trying to do that. Um, Look up Mr. Plinkett videos on YouTube as well. You'll enjoy them. Yeah. um, Yeah, Red Red Letter Media. (laughs) Redlettermedia.com. Check them out. Yeah. Um, The Phantom Menace one is hilarious. I think that might be my favorite one. (laughs) I think it is, too. I think it's mine, too. That one's really Um, good. Okay, so that's that's enough for video games with Mike and Rob for this week. We're going to jump back to uh, movies with Mike and Rob for this week. So... um, Getting into your own, like becoming a fan of movies of your own, was there any movie that you felt like, this is my favorite movie now, like between... Uh, I mean, it kind of changes, but Ferris Bueller's Day Off was at the top of my list for a long time. Um, Now that movie, uh, Snatch, it's probably my favorite movie. Yeah, and we were even talking about maybe watching that tonight, but it was buried in your collection of DVDs somewhere in the garage. I need that to one's watch hilarious. Again, if you can get through an English accent and, and understand it, that well, movie is I definitely worth a watch. What year did that come out? 99? Somewhere around that there? That sounds about right. Maybe earlier? Right around the millennium. In fact, I've got an internet right in front of me. I can look it up. But the point is that I watched it close, maybe a year or two after it came out, um, I think. Because I don't think I saw it in the theaters. It's like a follow-up to Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh, okay. If you saw so this that. came out in 2000. Same director. Um, right. It's Guy Ritchie. It's Guy Ritchie, yes. Thank um, you. So Lockstock was earlier. Yeah. See, I need to go back and watch all of those because I know everybody in the world swears by them. I'm the big film guy. I should know. That was 1998, so it was two years later. It's not the same characters or anything, right? Uh, no. A lot of the same actors, but not the same. they play completely different totally characters. Different totally different story. They're, okay. But they're kind of similar. And I just thought that Snatch was probably had a few more cool effects to it. I'm trying to think of... Um, what is there? Isn't there like a third in those 
Um, maybe Rock and Rolla, but I don't know. Hmm? I mean, you got Lock, Stock, and Snatch, and they're, they're kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah, Rock and Rolla, okay. But would you say that there's a... a tr- is there any way to make those two movies into a trilogy? Is there like a third one that belongs with those? I can't remember. I don't think so. Not okay. that I'm aware so really of. But I was, I, I mean, I never got so into Guy Ritchie that I just started checking out his entire catalog. You know who got really into Guy Ritchie? Madonna. Okay, so oh. um, moving on. Well, she was. She married him for a while. Um, I guess, so. yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, so, because for me, it was 1993 Jurassic Park. I saw that movie and I went, okay, done. I know what is my favorite movie. I know... And I think I may have mentioned this before. That was the movie that made me want to get into filmmaking mm-hmm. because that yeah. one was, it was, I think it was generationally like a huge, we were 13, 12, 13 when it yeah, came we out. Were, and I had read the book like two or three times before the movie, before came out. the movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. So what were your impressions of the movie then? Cause it's really different from the book. Yeah. I mean, I thought I still thought it was really cool because the special effects in that movie were just amazing. Yes. At the time, like the just... dinosaurs look so much realer even then to me than than Most a lot of special effects do now. now. Yeah, and I think that's because it that was, was so 94? new. No, it was 1993. 93. And it's I think I I've thought about that like why in, you know, uh, let's say for example, um what's the one with Ben Stiller and A Night in the Museum? A Night yeah. at the Museum. Okay. The T-Rex comes alive and chases him. It's yeah. just bones, I guess, but what's another movie? Oh, like Land of the Lost or one of those stupid movies. Dinosaurs are in those movies. They never look nearly as good as the ones did in Jurassic Park. Yeah, and I don't know if it was the combination earlier. of the computer graphics and actually having animatronics. I think it had a huge thing. I mean, first of all, the Triceratops, there was no digital anything. It, right. it was just laying there, and it was a puppet, basically, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So uh, that made it come to life, because they're sitting there no, touching it. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like big Hollywood movies do that anymore. It's just so much easier to make it computer-generated. And Well... I think it's, but it's so hard to make it look right. Well, there are guys like uh, I think in Ridley Scott's um, Prometheus, uh, because he did a lot of you know in Alien. It was 1979. There was nothing but people in costumes and, and puppets in those movies. I hate to break it to you, they didn't <laughs> have actual aliens. Yeah, on the, the part set. where Tom Skerritt gets killed really always makes me laugh. I mean, because it's really intense. Right, right, right up in that part, he's he's in the tunnel. And they can tell from sonar that the thing's getting close to them, but they don't. They can't tell him what direction he's in. He's looking all around. He has no idea where this this alien thing is, and it's going to kill him. He's like a lone man in a in an air shaft with a, yeah. a blowtorch that he's trying to use to kill a makeshift. Was it a makeshift blowtorch, or was it? I don't know. But anyway, I think, was, I think they had actual blowtorches of some like weapons that they were using. Yeah. So he's climbing around in the tunnels. He he has no idea where this thing is. Nancy Cartwright's yelling that it's like right behind him. Or Nancy right, Cartwright? Yeah. Or, Bart Simpson. <laughs> is it Nancy? No. What's her no, name? No, it's... It's um, something Cartwright. It's her sister. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I forget her name. Anyway, and when he turns and looks and finally sees the aliens, the alien is just like holding its arms out, almost like it's going, ta-da! <laughs> and if you watch it without the sound, not Veronica Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright. That's her sister? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Um... Oh yeah, I kind of see it now a little bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, so that movie was great. But then in Prometheus, I think he did a little bit of both. I think he had people in costumes for the oh yeah um, the the uh, architects and stuff like that. But then there were other scenes where it was all CG. So it's a combination. It really helps to have something physical for yeah. the actor to interact and, with. Yeah, the aliens look cool in that movie. I guess because you're right, it was somebody in a suit. It wasn't like yeah, and it was actual light bouncing off of an actual. 
object. object they, they actually had to like do makeup and stuff. And then it would that light would bounce into the camera lens and be recorded on film. That's why that looks good. <laughs> they still have not perfected that, but there's some CG that um, for the right shot, if it's not like for example, we just saw the new Ninja Turtles trailer, and uh, yeah, I'm worried. We, we went to the movies last night. Um, and uh, not that a 33, 34 year old man should be worried about the quality of the Ninja Turtles movie this that's coming one out, but is I am <laughs> so. I've always wanted to make, I always dreamed of being able to make a Ninja Turtles movie, and I would base it on the early graphic novels. And, you know, they're about four, four and a half feet tall, and they're, they're turtles. They're not big things. But I think with this new movie, they made it like they're mutants, so they're huge and distorted, <laughs> and they look ugly. And... Yeah, when they punch a guy, he flies across the room and <laughs> puts a dent in the brick wall behind him before he hits the ground. When they're 10 feet tall, I can believe it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. They're getting good at because this was all motion capture. I think is the new thing, especially with facial features. So they put the actors in kind of a little bit of costumes, but mostly they're wearing motion capture suits. You know what that is, right? Yeah, yeah. Little, they got the little tennis balls or whatever. On they're them. like ping pong balls, but I think lately they've developed them to just be a dot, a white dot on a blue shirt or something like that. So they cover them in this and on their faces. They'll put them all over their face in special spots so that when they're acting. That acting goes into the character that they animate digitally. Oh, uh, okay. So when they smile, when they emote with their face in any way, it's it's being translated into the character that they're making out of uh, cool. to make a turtle face. So if you watch that trailer, it does look like you might, you mentioned that. Oh my god, they look so cartoony. They're flying around and jumping, and it just it's, looks. It like, wasn't even their motions. It was just the way they looked. Like you could tell it was digitally animated. Right. Like it didn't look real. It wasn't like. In the early Ninja Turtles movies, not that those costumes were great, but they at least look real. Right. Again, real light shining from a source, yeah. bouncing off an object. I'd rather the have camera. a real thing than like have the character be able to do three flips in the air and like <laughs> knock out three. You know, just the amazing, so, the amazing feats of a computer-generated image don't impress me. And maybe someday they will. But here's what I liked: if you watch, I've watched that trailer about seventeen times, and sorry. And um, what I do like is Michelangelo lands behind April, and it's the very first time she ever sees the Ninja Turtles. Played by Megan Fox. Perfect. Born to play this role. Yes. She's just exactly who I think of when I think of (laughs) April O'Neil. So um, he says something like, oh, don't worry, it's just a mask, and he takes off the mask. But if you're watching that scene really close, it, it does look like when he leans his head down to take off, kind of undo the knot on the mask, the top of his head looks like an actual object that's right there. And and some of the way his eyes work, it looks like a thing that's that right there. split second on that specific part right. of his body, But here's the thing. It's like real. What, my point is that we're in that uncanny valley right now where we're starting to get to a point where it's looking really real for a minute or two for this one shot. So 10 years from now, who knows? You may be able to do it with, for example, uh, in the first Captain America and for a couple shots in the new one, they took Chris Evans' face and put it on a smaller person. Yeah, that was really cool. That looked that looked good. I watched that first movie without knowing who Chris Evans was, and huh. he, I, I'm like, how did they do that? <laughs> I really didn't get it. Like when they when he turns into Captain America, I'm like, did they actually like 
digitally make a, a whole body that he like how did they make him run around <laughs> looking small and of course it's not a crazy concept you digitally put someone's face on someone else's face but yeah. that takes a lot of work they have to match the the direction his face is looking and yeah when well, he looks I mean, up when he looks down all that stuff it has to match perfectly so i don't know exactly how they do it but well marvel's got some money to throw around they do so um Bringing, bringing it all around to, um, I think I, I should mention also that uh, just recently passed the 15th anniversary of The Matrix. That was nice. a huge that movie, movie for was me. was so good. Just because I went into it, I had no idea what to expect. So I was like, okay, there's some weird things happening. There's a scene where his mouth like melts. Yeah. That was in the trailer. There's a bug that goes in his belly button. We didn't know uh, what that was about. Yeah. I vaguely remember seeing some kind of flash about him, you know, thrashing around on the table. And they throw the that. word the Matrix around a few times, but you yeah. don't know what that is. And means. you're like, what the hell is that? It was perfect. Yeah. So the tra- I watched the trailer recently, too. Um, it's, it doesn't even really represent the movie that well because if you if you, you know the movie now all these years later and you watch the trailer you're like I guess that's kind of getting at what the movie's about but you know the music wasn't the music that they used in the movie and yeah all this stuff and it just felt a little um, alien to what the actual movie is hmm. so you're right watching that trailer did not give away much of anything yeah I had no idea I was kind of expecting something like that movie um... Johnny Mnemonic <laughs> no 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 <laughs> Strange um... Days or no dark dark city dark city it dark actually city. is a lot like dark i was city. that's what i was expecting like yeah but way more heavy matrix was, matrix in, wasn't quite as heavy as dark city no was, dark city but, is dark and yeah. it's heavy and it's it's um gothic kind of yeah way, and it's it's kind of aliens and stuff it and, takes you so long to figure out what the hell's even going on i love in the that movie. movie though i do too did you ever watch the director's cut that's out there i don't know probably not i didn't think i have but i don't want to because I just love the way the original is. Sometimes the director's cuts are better and sometimes they're worse. Like, did yeah. you ever, um, what's that? Blade uh, Runner? No, no, Mel Gibson movie. Uh, Payback. No, I never it, saw a director's cut of that. It's I just ending, saw the one movie once. The ending is completely different. Like, he doesn't even meet Chris, Chris Christopherson's character who plays, like, the big mob boss is played by a woman. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, and the whole ending scene takes place at a train station, at a subway, or like the right. L train or something. So, well, you know they film alternate endings sometimes to movies, and it's you, sometimes <clears throat> if they have the budget, they can be like, well, this is the way the director wants to do it, but this is the way the studio wants to do it, and they'll just go, screw it. And let's, then let's whoever, do both. whatever the focus group says right. is what Something like with. that. Um, but the, or, or, the actual yeah. ending of the movie was so much better. The, the I, normal, the studio version. The studio that, version that is got better. put out there. Don't take the director's cut. I don't know why. Well, so I also picked he, up the director's cut of um, THX 1138. Never seen that one. You've never seen it? Uh-uh. Okay. it's a, if you're, Especially if you're a Star Wars fan uh, and you just kind of want to see where George Lucas started out. Yeah. Um, of course, you should see uh, American Graffiti just for a, a, I've seen story, a story writing. Like, here's how he started writing stories and developing characters and things like that. It has nothing to do with the world of Star Wars. But Are you sure? A little bit, maybe because there's Harrison Ford. He's in it. He's in his. (laughs) He's in his fast car. His Millennium Falcon. Early Millennium Falcon. He's dating a girl that kind of looks like Chewbacca. I mean, (laughs) she was that. She was taller than him. (laughs) Um, He wore a cowboy hat, just like. Well, no, (laughs) no. Um, Maybe a vest. It's weird because George Lucas is. He does exactly what you would expect George Lucas to do. Puts a bunch of special effects in it that never could have existed in a movie in 1974 or whatever, whenever that movie came out. Um, but some of them kind of do create this, the essence of the, the what this scene. Like, they shot one in a, in a 
parking garage. This one scene in the parking garage, and the car peels out and run, goes down a ramp. But mm-hmm. he turned it. He changed the background um, behind the car to be like this huge, expansive uh, space behind it. So it was loaded with all cars that looked like this futuristic car, and you kind of buy into it a little more. Hmm. He okay. also then changed a scene where a bunch of monkeys come out of they had been like like where this is going it wasn't like indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull really damn didn't you i know i always love movies where people swing around through forests with chimpanzees or monkeys or whatever they were it just it just really adds an element of credibility to the movie that's where that particular movie just dive bombed that that was it it was like not when he survives an atomic explosion by hiding in a refrigerator (laughs) i did not mind that like everyone else did but i guess i didn't either but it was still like uh, all right so so the movie's kind of slowly the engines are sputtering and stalling out and then it hits the monkeys and shia labeouf swinging around and that's when it dive bombed for me so yeah but anyway um the giant ants were weird he added some cg monkeys to uh, THX 1138 that had been just weird looking creatures before but he did something different but anyway it's a good movie in a way if you look at it from 1974 sci-fi standpoint what was pre-Star the, Wars what was one of the movies you really liked as a kid that you felt you don't really see around anymore that maybe wasn't as popular I was talking about this one with you uh, like a few days ago or a week ago my dad bought a movie for my sister and me called The Boy Who Could Fly, and it was a Disney movie. Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about that one. And i got to look up the name of the guy because I was telling you, he, he kind of reminded me of Kirk Cameron, but um, <laughs> I think it's because he was in not a movie with Alan Thicke, but <laughs> something like that. But uh, They should have teamed up. The Boy Who Could Fly it was 1986, and it was Lucy Deakins, I guess, is the, uh, the girl. No idea who that is. That's the girl. Um, oh, okay. Who lives in this house with a younger brother, played by Fred Savage. Oh, and across the street okay. is this really strange character guy, young teenage guy, played by Jay Underwood. Do you know Jay Underwood? No. You will if I show you his face here. I know Jay Moore. Yeah, I kind of yeah, recognize seen him. That guy. He I was also in like... what anything he's been what in. What was the but... one where he switched bodies with his dad? It was one of those Freaky Friday type movies. <laughs> Freaky Friday, yeah. Um, it wasn't Freaky Friday. I don't know what it was. So I'll have to see. But anyway, The Boy Who Could Fly was about this semi... It seemed like he was like mentally not all there or um, retarded or something. He just <gasps> wouldn't talk to people. I know you can't say that Shit. word, but I mean it in the most literal sense. Like he was <laughs> slow. His mental <laughs> capacity was retarded. Oh, okay. Um, I think you're only allowed to use it when you don't mean what it in the most literal sense. <laughs> That's the only time you can it's, say it. It, it. it means exactly what it means in this scenario. So um, it was only his second movie, actually. That's crazy. But it's all the you know kids at high school make fun of him because he's just he's constantly quiet. He doesn't do anything. What was his first movie? Was it The Wizard? It was called Desert Bloom. No, are you talking about Fred Savage? Oh, who's? I'm it? not talking about Fred Savage. I'm talking about oh, okay. this kid. So oh, so the kid next door. He's a mystery to everyone, and it turns out he can fly. That's about all I remember. And then also Fred Savage is getting bullied by some kids. And uh, he finally exacts his revenge on them by filling his squirt gun, like his super soaker, with oh, yeah. piss. And he just <laughs> unloads on them. <laughs> it's probably the funniest. Oh, you know who he is? He plays Bug in Uncle Buck. Oh, yeah, that guy. That's who he is. That's yeah, why that's I'd... totally him. <laughs> Bug, Nat, we see a little something going on there. Um... Well, I think so. <laughs> 
<laughs> Love Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck is another great movie, Fantastic but it does get movie. it does kind of get its due uh, still. So that was one movie uh, that I really liked as a kid that I never hear or see anymore. I even brought that into class one time when I was in fourth grade or something like that, and it was like, "Can we watch this?" And the teacher looked at it; it was rated PG. She's like, "Sure, that's fine." So during one of our movie times or whatever, we watched that. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I was saying I watched um, The Matrix, kind of revisited it on Blu-ray. Uh, it's 15th anniversary. And um, that was a movie that, like, I think I went and saw it with you the first time. And I remember walking out of the theater after seeing that movie and looking at the sky. And it was a beautiful sunset actually going on. Clouds were just on fire. It was beautiful. and I, But it made you go, oh, my God. Is any of this even real? <laughs> am I real? What's going on? <laughs> I could oh, be man. real, but I'm I might be in a pod somewhere. So it just the whole the whole Matrix concept totally grasped, totally gripped it's me. Very it, Descartian. Well, is it? I don't know what that oh, means. Yeah. <laughs> Rene Descartes. Yeah, I know who that is, but he's just one of his philosophies was just. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I think, therefore I am, basically. How do I know I'm real? How do I know what I see in front of me is real? Because, you know, my eyes have deceived me before, so how do I know that any of this is real? Right, and he he had a, a thought experiment he did. I, yeah. I saw this on Cosmos recently where it was, um, I can, um, what was it? I can think. I think, therefore, I am. I no, mean, it, it was, was it was basically that. Um, the only thing he could. I can was, imagine my, my, what was it? I can imagine the world without my body. Like, I things would still be here but how could i imagine anything without my mind i can't imagine the world not exist the world yeah. existing without basically because i'm thinking whether or not i'm actually here or whether or not i am who i think i am yeah i can think and therefore i am i something. must exist in some uh, yeah form. i exist okay. in some capacity so yeah so it was kind of like yes you're thinking and therefore you do exist but is what is around you real and that whole concept at at yeah, I was 18, I guess, when the movie movie came out. I was going to turn 19 yeah. later that year. It was like right on your birthday, wasn't it? Or no, something? no, no. It came out March 31st. My birthday is September 19th, so not at all. But because <laughs> I thought, isn't there somewhere in the movie where it says like it's no right in the beginning? One of, the, one the, of the, the calls in the very beginning, the very is like beginning, nine eleven nineteen, nine nine or nine nineteen. It says nine eighteen, two thousand oh. or nineteen ninety eight is the year, okay. is the point yeah. that it says on the date on right on the screen. So it's the day before my birthday, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, good remember. Good way to remember, remember that because I just saw that and I was like, oh, I didn't even remember that. That I remember you saying that when we went, when we went to go see it. Oh, in like, the theater, oh, I noticed it. That's the day before my my nineteenth birthday or whatever it was. <laughs> we were at the movies yesterday. We saw Captain America too, and I was still whispering stuff to you throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I'm pretty annoying. <laughs> no, that was fine. Um, so so getting Better around than to wearing a horrible perfume. <laughs> yeah, like the lady behind you, next to me, God. next to you. Oh yeah, there was a four year old kid behind us too yeah he was kicking her chair he was tapping his foot on the ground for a little while it's just like the kid and i looked at him the kid could couldn't care less about what was happening in the. i'm gonna put out a public service announcement right now on our podcast yeah stop bringing your kids to the movie theater morgan morgan and your friend shit we fucking hate yes that's a great one okay so that people bringing their kids you've seen shit we fucking hate yeah Um, that's that's uh brandon the guy that i mentioned brandon okay went to um Went to the DVC and we never saw, or not DVC, um, to San Francisco State. We never saw each other there. We both went to film school there. We never saw each other there. Uh, So you didn't meet in college. We didn't meet there. Oh, okay. We found out later. We met at TGI Fridays. I was with a group of friends. He was with a group of friends. Of course. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's where you go with your group of friends. And then someone from that my group knew someone from his group, and we started all talking together. And I started talking to him, and uh, we um, we ended up like you hit it off. off. We totally did. We were just like, oh, you do movie stuff. I do movie stuff. It's cool. So he took out a business card and he wrote his name and. Um, it wasn't his business card. It was somebody else's. And he wrote his well, uh, his his. Well, phone you don't number. have your own business card. Use someone else's. I think he wrote his name, his phone number, and his email at AOL.com, which was Jedi Bob something or other. Of so, course. So it was pretty – I was like, oh, this guy's cool. And um, <laughs> He's good. Yeah. So it was his instant messenger account was on there. So we kept in touch like just barely here and there. But I finally hooked him and Morgan up. I was like – this I'm is glad the they finally hooked up. They really are a great couple. I've, I've been waiting for that <laughs> so the I whole said, season. I said, "This Morgan's the Dublin crew. He's got a bunch of friends that make movies over in Dublin. This guy's making zombie movies and stuff over in Danville. I'm the San Ramon guy. I'm right in between them. Yeah. So I'm going to hook these guys up. And so finally I did, and they've been bestest buddies. Um, and also Jeremy, who we'll talk about at some point, too. I hooked them up with Morgan. And when I introduce Morgan Good to somebody, job. Morgan runs and goes crazy with them. So... Um, we're going to wrap this up, but I did want to kind of end with uh, the movie we saw last night, kind of the most recent movie we've seen. Oh, the most amazing ending ever. You guys have to hear this. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know about that. But... Spoiler alerts. Come on. No, no, no. Let's not try to spoil it, but give your impression. <laughs> no, no, no. Of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> What'd you think? I liked it better than the first one. Did you? Yeah, I did. I love a good origin story, though. And I think... The first Captain stories America. are fun, but I, I just didn't feel like he had enough powers to discover. Like for me, when you get a character that, like Spider Man, or when they first discover like their powers or what they can do, um, that's usually the most fun part for me. Right. Like Origin when Spider Man first started. Yeah, but I mean, with Captain America, he just like got bigger and started beating everybody up. They never really went through like what. Well, you see, do you think they covered more of that in this movie? The new one? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying as an origin story. Oh, I felt like that the Captain America one wasn't as strong as some of the others. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was be, just because of who he was before he went through the transformation. I thought that was the best. I mean, best that part was cool. but it, Exposition of here's who this guy is at his core. And that's really all that's going to matter. Yes, it will help that he can run faster, jump higher, punch harder yeah. later. But with all those powers. That's what Stanley Tucci was looking for right. a candidate. And just because he has those powers, um, it really depends on who he is at his core what it, to tell us what he's going to do with those powers. And so they did a great job of, you know, his best line in that movie is, uh, I just don't like bullies, sir. Or, you know, that's, yeah. that's his, he's like, and that's like the American credo. We goddamn bully King George, we're going to become America. Well, yeah, if you're going to have a guy who's like represents America as a country, he's got to be like, have the strongest moral fibers. But to put it all in one sentence like that, I love that. It was in one bold statement. I just don't like bullies. It's like that is the most American, or what we like to call American. Uh, Now it's also greed is good and and uh, have another Big Mac. It's all those things. But (laughs) as far as an actual good I will have another Big Mac, Mike. Thank you. Um, (laughs) You ate a whole Big Mac in one bite? What? Where did you even get a Big Mac? I had it the whole time. I I bought you a Togo sandwich today. You didn't even eat it. (laughs) Sorry about that. Hold on. Fine. Enjoy your Big Mac. Okay. I believe you ate that in one bite. Well... They're bite size. No, they're not. They're big. I don't, Macs. I don't know why they call them Big Macs. I mean, they're really not that big. They've got three pieces of bread. 
Yeah, well, that's just a lot of bread. It's a lot of bread. Yeah. But it's also got a secret sauce in there. Mm. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So I like it's Captain Thousand America. Thousand Island dressing. I think I like Captain America better um, just because I love a good origin story, and I thought that was a really good origin story. But this one was really <clears> good, too. It just it felt much more serious. Different director, different writers, I believe. Who was the director? Do you remember? It's a uh, looked like a couple brothers or something. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll look it up. But It's always good when brothers get together to make movies. And then one of them becomes a female. Well, then they're no longer brothers. They're Hence, their movies siblings. are no longer good. <laughs> Seriously, what was the last good Wachowski brothers V for movie Vendetta, that? maybe? Yeah. Maybe. Um, that, was, was good. that one was good. I'll give them that. Uh, and I so, did like Matrix Two. Hey, my yeah, I liked Matrix thought, Two, but not nearly as much as the first one. Oh well, yeah, third one. It's not new less. anymore. Um, I forget what I was going to say, but Captain America: Winter Soldier, starring Chris Evans and uh, Samuel L. Jackson, was written and directed by uh, some guys whose names I am about to tell you. Good thing you started right that when you did, and not about, just waited till you had it. Uh, written by Christopher Marcus. Uh, and Stephen McFeely and three other people, but directed by oh it's uh, uh, yeah the Rousseau brothers it's Anthony and Joe Rousseau and it says one more credit let's see oh director post credit scenes this makes sense directed by I don't know what post credit scenes are yeah you do we watch after the credits ah directed by I don't know Joss Whedon oh okay because he's doing the new he did the Avengers movie he's going to do the new Avengers movie I'm sure oh okay. Well, so that makes sense because um, it does tie in. It, it really, the end scene ties into the new Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, so it's, this it's a good movie. It's definitely worth checking out. What I liked about this movie is that they didn't have any giant creatures or out of space outer space aliens fighting the humans. Uh, you can kind of call the floating ships. No, that was a little bit of a giant monster in a way. But those they're hovercrafts, just like the one that was in the Avengers movie. Yeah, it's like Terminator kind of. But, but my point is that plot. I was thinking about like you know the other Marvel movies we've seen that they had a bunch of crazy creatures and monsters and crazy shit going on. Uh, this was about people and who's uh, a bad guy and who's a good guy, and it really kind of came down to that. Maybe it's more of a '90s thing. We've really relied a lot on CGI to make creatures and things lately. Yeah. But um, it, I, I compared it. Uh, and I was talking to you, uh, talking to someone else with you in the room about that. It felt more like one of the more recent Die Hard movies. Like, is this guy a good guy or a bad guy? Can I trust this guy or not? It's kind of an espionage movie, um, but better than the Die Hards that have been out recently, like four and five. <laughs> I liked four. Eh, four's I, okay, but I liked four. It's eh. good. It Kevin Smith some... was in it. He was good in it. The Warlock <laughs> had some good scenes in it. Um, but it was the the fifth one was awful. Really. Yeah. So, but my point is that this one felt like this was really a conspiracy movie and um, Captain America and Black Widow kind of have to go on their own and solve this whole mystery. And I was really impressed that they did a whole movie. What was that? You got a phone call? I got a text message. Oh, okay. Because I well, forgot like, to turn my it's okay. off. It's just a podcast. Nobody cares. Um, so I thought they did a good a story. It was a really good story. Um, concept and story by Ed Brubaker uh, based on the comic book. Uh, of the Winter Soldier, I don't know how much of the story that in the movie is from the credit from the comic books, but Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby, legendary comic book dude. Oh, okay. I'll so, take your word for it. We'll uh, we'll put a pin in it there, and we'll call it a night for uh, podcast number four. 
that was uh, a little bit of us talking about movies. Um, we could probably go all day talking about movies because we touched on about zero point zero zero five percent of all the movies we know and love and um, reference on a daily basis. So uh, until next time, this is Mike, and that is Rob. See, he knows his name. Isn't I he got great, it. Guys? I did it. And first we will, try. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Mike and Rob podcast. Catch you later. Check it.